0: Are you in a church or a cult? Is it possible to be in a business or a church that has cult-like tendencies? Join me as we expose the cult-like mentality. Hey guys, it is Rebecca Price and we are getting ready to jump into this podcast. I did a podcast on this a year ago. And I also did a blog post going into great detail about this. And I believe that this is super important. Um, You know, I I actually read a post today from a woman who is an evangelist, but she also has a a very big prophetic spirit. And she actually said today that um, God is, is raising some people up that will expose things in the church. And I truly believe that this is something that I need to expose. I believe it is happening in more ministries than people think it is. Um, is it every ministry? No, there are churches out there that are operating with godly leaders and in godly integrity and according to the word of God. And I praise God for those. But there are also ministries where this is happening and it's not okay. And I want to expose this. I want to point it out. I have experienced these things firsthand. So that is why I am talking about this. And, And this is something that is, that is extremely important to me. So this is called the exposing the cult mindset. And it's, it's very interesting when you start talking about cults because a lot of times people have these immediate visions in their head of what a cult looks like. And usually with a lot of people, you think about this group out in the desert that is led by this dude or this woman that is just crazy. And they're like eating frogs and, you know, worshiping the sand. And Usually a lot of people think about sex because there's been a lot of sex cults and things like that, but the truth is is that there are businesses, there are churches, there are, there are groups that can have the characteristics of a cult, but it's masked well. Because it looks professional, or it looks a certain way, or because people have these these ideas in their mind of what a cult is, these preconceived notions, they don't even consider it. And I'm telling you right now, as a child of God, yes, there is a possibility that a church that you go to is actually more of a cult than it is a church. Um, you can have... Uh, business leaders and businesses that operate this way. You can be in a workplace that has a very cult-like environment with very cult-like leader. And uh, we're going to go over the characteristics of a cult. And we're also going to look at some scripture and talk about this. But the reason I wanted to circle back around to this is not only because it's important for me to expose this, because it's really damaging a lot of sheep. It's really damaging a lot of people. It's causing a lot of hurt. Um, and the enemy is really trying to, he's trying to tear people down and try to destroy people through it because that's what he comes to do. Kill, steal, and steal, kill, and destroy. That is, that's his purpose. Um, but also the reason I want to do this is because I, you know, like I said, it's, it's extremely important and I want people to understand and realize and use discernment and ask these questions, really pay attention to what we're talking about and say to themselves, is this happening where i work? is this happening at the church that i go to? is is this happening? And we're going to break this down. I'm not going to give you everything in one. We're going to break this down into several episodes so that it'll be in smaller chunks so that we can expound on the topics and talk about them a little bit more and explain them and say, "Okay, what are some examples? What are what are these these things look like?" Okay? So, I want to start with um well, first, before I even jump into, because we're going to look at some characteristics of a cult leader, first of all, and then we'll, we'll go uh, later on into other episodes, actual characteristics of the, the followers, the group itself. But before I go into any of this, anyone who has experienced any of these things, and it has, has dealt with pain, hardship, has dealt with trauma, because it can be a tra- a very traumatic. If you ever look at people that, you know, if, if you think of, of the cults, you know, in the past that have been mentioned, and you talk about, you know, entire peoples being poisoned and stuff, I mean, it's a dangerous influence, right? And uh, and people can can really suffer trauma. I mean, it, it, it can be a big deal. And so um, for those that have experienced it and have gone through things, I want to tell you something. And the, and the Lord told me this the other day, you know, he said, what they did to you or what you experienced is not greater than what Jesus has done for you. And it's really, it, it really stopped me in my tracks. And and it's not God saying that your pain doesn't matter. It's not God saying that the experience doesn't matter. Okay, God watches everything; He sees everything. There's nothing that is hidden from Him. Um, he sees everything that happens, and it's not it's not excusing your pain away or what happened, but it's God assuring you that they may have tried to take you out, or Satan may have tried to take you out through this. But nothing can compare or match what Jesus has done for you. Jesus has redeemed you. He has restored you. Jesus has has granted you, if you are a child of God, has granted you salvation and has transferred you from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. He has redeemed you and restored you in love. And and to remember that and hold on to that, there is nothing that, that happens That we get, like that we go through, experience-wise, that can negate that, that can take that away. It's basically saying nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Because when you go through something like this, there's a lot to process. There's a lot of emotions to process. There's a lot of things to heal from. There's a lot of questions that you may think about, and 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 oh, I should have done this, or I should have said this, or I should have this. There's a lot that goes into it. So, without much, you know, further ado, we're gonna jump into this. So. There's this website online and it's called um, cultrecovery101.com and it, and it has a checklist of cult characteristics. That's what I'm pulling from today. And so I'm going to read one of the characteristics or two of the characteristics and then we're going to talk about them. So, excuse me. So it says, one of the characteristics of a cult is the group is focused on a living leader to whom members seem to display excessively zealous, unquestioning, or unquestioning commitment. And I'm going to group that with questioning, doubt, and dissent are discouraged or even punished. Now, some of y'all may stop and say, well, but doesn't that sound like believers in general? Because, you know, there are people that are committed to Christ and Christ is the only way. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And people, you know, are committed to him and he says that he's the only way. How is that? That kind of sounds similar to Christianity. I'm going to explain why it's different. All right. So, yes, believers are committed to Christ. But number one, they are not forced. All right. That's a big, big difference between Christ and between cult leaders. Cult leaders tend to use things like intimidation, fear, um. Discouragement. They'll use guilt. They will. They want their way. It is their way or the highway. And oftentimes they will use force. And if they can't force you, then they will manipulate. They will use all kind of different tactics to get their way. And gaslighting. There's so many different terms that we can use. Uh, but God is not like that. God is very straightforward. He says either follow me or don't. He says I'm not going to force you to. You know I always go back to when Jesus approached. Uh, you know, the disciples and he said, follow me. When he approached them in the beginning, he said, follow me. He didn't hold a gun to their head. He didn't break them. He wasn't. He just looked at them and he said, follow me. And it, and it says, you know, they dropped their nets immediately and they followed him, but he didn't force them to. There was no force there. All right. We've talked about this before. We go back to the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. God did not force Eve to obey. He gave her a choice. He said, look, if you obey me, this will happen. If you disobey me, this will happen. He gave her choices and consequences because God if God wants us to have free will. He doesn't want robots. He doesn't want to force people to follow him or to do things because that's not love. Love has to be trusted and tested. That's not love. You know, if somebody's at the altar getting married and they, they're holding a gun to their partner's head, say I do, you know say I do marry me and they marry you how do you know whether that person truly loves you or whether in that moment they're afraid and they're operating out of fear and out of the out of force because they're afraid if I don't say yes I'm going to get shot okay do you see the difference so here when I look at when I listen to this it says that they they're excessively zealous but it says unquestioning commitment unquestioning commitment. And then that's when I jumped down and said, questioning doubt and dissent are discouraged or even punished. All right. If you are in a church or a business and you ask questions, I mean, questions are normal. Questions are a part of life. Sometimes we don't understand things. Sometimes we need people to explain things. If you ask a question and you are lashed out at, big red flag. There is no reason for someone to be shamed, to be um, lashed out at simply because they have a question. Do you see that? I mean, do you see that in the Bible? Let me, let's me let read this and let's look at some, uh, some verses in the Bible, okay, that back this up. So uh, Matthew 7, 7 says, and this is Jesus talking, says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Does that sound like someone who doesn't want to be questioned? Does that sound like someone who's angry if you ask a question? No, he's like, ask of me. You know, ask of me, and you'll receive. Seek, seek me. There's another verse in the Bible, Psalm 9:10, one of my favorite verses. It says, "And those who know your name." put their trust in you for you O lord have not forsaken those who seek you he loves people that seek his face that seek him you have questions go to him jesus was a, a rabbi he was a teacher he loved to teach people he taught people through parables he taught his disciples teaching is a part of it and a teach a good teacher knows that questions are incredible Because even if even if somebody asks you a question that you don't have the answer to, it's nothing to get upset about or angry about or frazzled about. You just say, "Hey, that's a great question. You know, I want to make sure that I answer you correctly. So let me get back to you on that question. Let me write it down, and let me, you know, if you're if you're a pastor or teacher, let me go and search in the Word of God. Because man, that's an amazing question. I don't, you know, I don't have the answer to that. There is Nothing wrong with saying that. And a good teacher also knows that questions are great because it gets the wheels turning. You may have, you know, I used to be a kid's pastor. And you used to have kids that would ask questions that would spark other questions, that would spark other questions. And I loved that environment as a teacher because it shows they want to learn. They want it. If they're not asking questions, if they're not seeking anything, then that means they're not using their brain. They're not thinking things through and it doesn't, it's not really important to them. They're just kind of bored with it. Or maybe they're just soaking it in and will ask questions later. But when you have a leader or you have a teacher or a boss that if you ask a question, you don't question me. Why are you questioning things? Are you not on board? Are you not on board with the vision? Do you not trust me? Do all of those are emotionally manipulative statements, okay? If a pastor gets angry simply because you asked a question, that is a huge red flag and you need to take a step back and really start examining his or her fruit, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruit. It will be very evident. And if a pastor or a teacher can't take a question, then why in the world are they doing what they're doing? Why teach if you can't handle questions? Sit down. That is pride. That is someone acting out of pride and someone who does not want. Ask yourself this. Why don't they want me asking questions? Why don't they want me asking questions? Because usually when someone does not want you to ask questions, there's something hidden that they don't want you to discover. It's either pride because they don't have the answer and they feel, and and it embarrasses them because, and they don't have the humility to say, hey, that's a great question. Let me get back to you on that. Okay. It's either that or there's something there that they don't want you to know. There's something hidden that they don't want you to know. So if you do not feel comfortable asking questions, if the leader makes you feel uncomfortable, makes you feel like you have done something wrong, they lash out at you in anger, they are frustrated with you, they are upset, or they start saying, or they start questioning you, why are you asking questions? Why do you need to know? Why is that important to you? Well, don't you trust me? Well, don't you believe that what I said is true? Do- Big, big, big red flags. That is a cult leader-like response. And a lot of times it is fueled from a place of pride and a place of deceit. They don't want to be questioned. It's you do what I say or else. Whereas God says, ask. Ask. You know, Jesus taught people all the time on the hillside. And his disciples would ask him questions. And you know what? Jesus wouldn't get angry. You know, he might correct them, but he wouldn't, you know, get angry. He would teach them. He would talk to them. That's Jesus is a teacher. So really, really pay attention to that. You should never be made to feel ashamed for asking a question. All right. Now, there are some people, and I understand this, that will try to bait people, will bait pastors with questions and try to get them in trouble and try to do all of that or whatever, try to bait them. And if, if a pastor or teacher runs into someone like that, the best thing to do is say, you know what, that's a great question. Let's talk about it afterwards. That's a great question. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it afterwards. You know, why don't we meet and discuss that? Cause first of all, you're shutting them down in front of everyone. If they if they are purposefully trying to mock or ridicule or whatever, first of all, the Holy Spirit will give the Holy Spirit will give you an appropriate response. But something to say to them would be like, you know what? That's a great question. Why don't we go grab coffee and talk about that? And then that's when you can address that. The teacher, pastor, teacher can address that one-on-one, you know, and say, you know, what's, what's really the, you know, what's, what's, what's your, what's your motive from asking these questions? You know, what are you trying to discover? What are you trying? It can lead. So I do understand that there are people, but it's not every person. It's not every person in the congregation. There are people that genuinely want to learn. And if you are going to teach and preach, you better be prepared for people to ask questions. You better be prepared for that. And if you get offended, if you as a pastor or leader get offended and, oh, I can't believe they asked, it. sit down, just sit down. It means that you don't want people to grow. There are things that you don't want people to know. You don't want to be bothered with it. Then don't, then don't teach, sit down. Let someone else get up who actually enjoys doing what they're supposed to do, who actually enjoys, who actually has the gift to do it. Because I'm telling you right now, if you have someone you know, and I talk about I talk about the church just because I've seen it in the church. If you have a pastor or teacher that doesn't want to answer questions, that does not want to talk about things or discuss things or anything like that, they're just like receive it and shut up and go home. I don't want I don't you know or or don't you dare question me? How dare you question me? You should be ashamed of questioning me. And da 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 da. da. You know, if you you have someone like that, I dare say they're not a teacher. I don't think they're a teacher. You know, because teachers, again, if you have a teaching, if you are someone who loves to teach, you're going to love questions and you're going to love answering. You're going to love the, the teaching part of it. That's a great question. Let me show you Let Like, let me show you, let's talk about it. Let's, let's unwrap this. Let's, I mean, I love, as a teacher, I love that. I love questions. I love them. Even hard ones because it makes me think and it, and it is, you know, and as, as a pastor, leader, teacher, as a leader, even in a business, whatever, you need to understand, You're not the smartest person in the room. If the leader acts like they're the smartest person in the room, then they're in the wrong room and you don't need to follow them because that means that they, first of all, see themselves as greater than everyone else in the room. It means they can't learn anything. Nobody has anything to teach them. And a leader knows, a leader surrounds themselves with people, with people that are very strong in areas that they're not. So, for example, I'm a huge people person. I love teaching, but administration is not one. I can can do administration, but it's not one of my highest gifts. I don't really enjoy doing that. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to surround myself or have someone on my team that is an excellent administrator. They are great at what they do. They are strong in areas that I'm not, and they can teach me things you know, I can learn from them and I can be like, oh, wow, that's a great process that you came up with, you know, and maybe I can teach them some things, you know, hey, this is, this is a better way to interact with, with customers or with parents, or this is a better way to do this, you know, whatever. Okay. Going back to the point though, cause I want to stay on topic, you know, understand when it gets to the part where you can't question them. And a lot of times there are many things that can happen. Okay. Cause I've talked about anger, but I've also talked about, you know, I want to talk about the guilty, all right? And this is where the guilt and the manipulation kind of come, kind of come hand in hand. What they want to do is they want to, they want to get an affect you. They want an emotional response in you and out of you. And to do that, they're going to use trigger words, or they're going to try to trigger you. And so, you ask a question one Sunday, or like maybe you're on staff and you say, "Hey, I just had a question. You know, why? What is it about this policy? Or, or you know, why do we?" Why do we have this policy, or or why did it, did this happen, or or you know what's the, and they turn around and they say, don't you trust me? Why are you asking questions? Don't you trust me? Are are you are you starting to are you starting to lose vision? Are you are you gonna leave the church when they start saying things like that? It's not because they really believe what they're telling you, it's because they're wanting to stir up emotions in you. They're trying to make you feel bad for asking a question. They're trying to make, they're talking you in circles. They don't want to answer the question. And in your mind you need to say, "Why? Why don't they want to answer the question? What's what's the big deal about asking about this?" You know? If it's something that needs to be talked about privately, maybe the leader will say, "You know what? That's something we can talk about, you know, later or or, or you know I will definitely answer your question, but we've got to get to other things right now. you know things there are ways to there are ways to appropriately respond you know if it's a, or if it's a question that you know it, it's, it's too long to answer, there are ways to handle that as a leader, but you don't make somebody feel like crap simply because they asked asked, asked a question. You want people around you that question you and here's the thing. When you have people around you that never ask questions or you have people, then you have surrounded yourself with what is called yes men and yes women. They say yes to everything that you do. And a lot of times cult leaders, that's what they want. They don't want somebody that's going to challenge them to help them grow. They don't want somebody that's going to, to ask questions or, or, or even suggest in the appropriate way, hey, maybe there's a way we can improve this process. They don't want that because in their eyes, they are God. They are the ultimate voice. They're the ultimate leader. They have the ultimate skills and ultimate smarts. How dare somebody come up with a better process? Or how dare somebody come up with a process that doesn't benefit me? This is the cult-like leader. They will shame. They will shut you down. They do not want questions. This happens in the church all the time. It happens in the church with leaders and pastors and apostles, whoever you want to call them, all the time. I mean, it's, it's, you don't, you know, when you have a congregation that's afraid to approach their pastor or afraid to say things, or and there's this, this fear and this anxiety, huge red flag. If you legitimately feel afraid to approach your pastor with a question, you need to stop and ask yourself why. Why? I shouldn't be afraid of my pastor. I shouldn't be afraid. If you are a staff member, because here's what I'm, I'm going to kind of separate these. Because a lot of times, the congregation doesn't see, unless they have keen discernment, the congregation doesn't see what the staff sees. The congregation may see a whole different side of the pastor. May see it, may say, oh, they're just the greatest person ever. They're just, we love them, da da And then people that move into the staff realm get to see get to see the pastor behind closed doors and they may be two very different people. The pastor may be great about projecting this image of how great he is, but then the staff see that this person is actually very mean and intimidating and cruel. They're a bully. And so if you are a staff member, you, you know, you have to be honest with yourself about these things. It's hard leaving a church, especially one that you love. It's hard leaving your friends. But you need to, if you're going to be, you need to be in a place where you're going to grow spiritually, a place where the Holy Spirit is not shut out, where God's voice is not shut out. You may think, oh, that's not, that's not, you know, that's not me. That's not, that's not my pastor. My pastor prays all the time. My pastor listens to the voice of God all the time. If your pastor can't even handle questions, you know, if he won't even listen to you, When you have a question about something, what makes you think he's going to listen to God? God asks questions. God will question things that or sometimes God will provoke things in me with a question. And he'll say, you know, just to get me thinking, just to get, because not that he doesn't know things is sometimes God uses questions to, to get wheels turning and to try to teach me something. Okay. If he can't even handle a question from a human, how is he hearing the voice of God? Does he do the same thing to God when God asks him a question? Does he shame God? Does he, how dare you tell me what to do? I, You know, that's a very prideful place to be. And a lot of times when somebody is filled with a lot of pride and they don't want to hear anything from anybody, they don't want to listen, they just, my thoughts are the best thoughts, my way is the best way, then they don't want a team, first of all. They want workhorses just to carry out work. They want slaves. They don't want a team around them. They don't care. They really don't care what you think. They just want you there to implement what they want. All right. Yes, a pastor casts the vision. Absolutely. All right. But that doesn't mean that the vision is perfect. That doesn't mean that your team members can't help expound on that. Can't help uh, make that better. That can't can't show better ways to accomplish the vision. Obviously, you know you you have pastors. Well, I don't want people that are not on board with the vision. Okay, I get that. You know, if you if there's someone on your staff that clearly clearly is in disagreement with you and the vision and everything then that person doesn't need to be on staff anymore that person needs to leave and they need to find an authority another authority to be under that they agree with and I completely agree with that but if you're going to surround yourself with a bunch of people that just tell you yes all the time to everything that you do they don't challenge anything they don't look I mean what's the point of having a team It's not a team. It's just little slaves, little go men and go women that just do whatever you say and do. Don't call it a team. Dream team. I'm so sick of hearing that phrase. Dream team. When there's no teamwork in it. It's, you know, you have, your team brings things to the table to discuss. Your team is trying to help you make things better. They're trying to help, they're trying to help the help grow the vision and help make it better. And sometimes they will bring, well, they should bring different points of view to the table and say, well, you know, I think that this might make things better. That should not trigger a prideful, angry, nasty response from a leader. The leader should say, hmm, okay, let me write that down. Let's think about it. Let's talk about it. Now, if it's completely not the vision, you can say that. You know, you can communicate that in a loving way. Does Christ not say speak the truth in love? You can communicate that in a loving way and say, you know what, that's a great idea, but I don't think it necessarily fits the vision. But let's talk about it. You know, if if you can if you can explain to me, make it a challenge, say, hey, you know what? why don't you do some digging? And if you can, if you can show me how this fits the vision, then we can talk about it. But it doesn't happen. You know, a lot of times when it comes to the staff, the staff are the closest people around the pastor and the staff get to see how the pastor really is. And they get have to deal with how the pastor really is. And a lot of times it's the ugly side of things, you know, and the pastor, and while they may see that the pastor is one way, but the congregation is But they're they're controlling the congregation with a completely different appearance because in front of them, they're a completely different person. That is a manipulation tactic to where you feel isolated and alone. Well, nobody will believe me, you know. Or if I do this, you know, nobody will believe me about pastor so-and-so or nobody will this or or that because they all think that he's wonderful. And, I mean, it's just this big mind game, this mind thing. I don't want to get off topic because I said I was going to take these, you know, I wasn't going to do a bunch of these. I was going to take things one at a time. But again, I want you to understand God likes when you ask questions. And as a, and here's the thing, as a church leader, as a as a church, excuse me, a congregate, as a, a brother, sister in Christ, you know, it is our responsibility to ask questions respectfully. Don't go in and be like, hey, well, we don't go in with attitude or sarcasm. You go in and you just say, hey, you know, I, I had a question about this. Can I ask you about it? Can we talk about it? Or, you know, hey, and, and, you know. And respect, and again, you know, if if you if you bring questions before the leaders, before your boss, before whatever, excuse me, and you start seeing that what your boss is wanting to accomplish and do really conflicts with who you are then you need to make a decision at that time maybe it's time for me to leave and separate maybe it's time for me to find someone else that whose vision I line up with you're not going to be there to change that person if you think that you're going to change every single thing about their vision to fit yours no that's not the right thing to do if you think for example in a church if you think that the pastor is way off on the truth of God's word, then, you know, it's time for you to make a decision and say, I got to leave. Or if there are things about his leadership techniques or styles that you, you're really having a hard time with, maybe that's time you're like, well, I, I, maybe I need to look for, you know, another leader. Maybe I like someone else's leadership style better. Um, these are things that you got to think that you got to, you got to think about and look at from your end of things. But to sum up again, I want to say it again. And here's what I want to say too. You need to, in, in, when I talk about these things, you, one of the most important things that you need to do as a listener is be honest with yourself. How many times have we ignored red flags that the Holy Spirit has put right in front of us? How many times have we wanted to live in a place of denial because the truth hurt too bad? Understand that God says in the Bible that the truth shall set you free. The truth may be hard to accept, hard to listen to, hard to swallow sometimes, but it is meant to free you. When you live in a in, in, in a in a place of, of constant deception, that is the realm of the enemy. The enemy is a liar. He always will be a liar. There is no truth in him. And it is a horrible place to live. It is a is a place of slavery when you are in when you are are suffering um, suffering from evil, but you live in denial, oh everything's good, everything's fine, everything's okay, everything's good, everything's fine. It's a place of bondage. and you need to understand this and and believe me, I understand when you say but I it's hard I don't want to leave my friends I don't want to I don't want to leave my I don't want to do this I don't want to do that but you've got to look at yourself and you've got to ask yourself how spiritually healthy am I how mentally healthy am I how how emotionally healthy am I right now how has this affected me and I want you to ask these questions throughout these different podcast segments be honest with yourself Be honest because it's the truth. Again, the truth is meant to set you free. I don't want you walking around in chains. And there's a lot of people that are walking around in chains and denial. And I can say I was one of them. I saw some red flags. I actually saw some red flags early on um, in different ministries and things like that. And I ignored them. I saw them and I ignored them. And the longer you ignore them, the worse it's going to be. And you don't ever want to live in a place that might be abusive or toxic because if that's what you're sitting under, if you're sitting under someone who who is abusive or has abusive tendencies or runs a ministry or a business or something like that that is abusive in nature, if you sit under that, understand that the word that you receive is going to be skewed. It's going to be tainted. It's not, it, it most likely is not the truth because again... And this is kind of going off topic, but, you know, when you have a leader that thinks they're the smartest one in the room and that they're the only ones that can hear from God, then how often do you actually think they're hearing from God? Or are they hearing their own voice? Are they hearing what they want? Are they seeing their own perspective all the time? It says that pride goes before a fall. And the reason is because God showed me that pride leads to spiritual blindness. If you are a prideful person, you don't want to. You you can't hear from God because He has nothing to tell you, right? You know it all anyway. He has nothing to show you because you see it all anyway. That person is spiritually blind. They don't know where they're going because they're leading themselves. In arrogance, they're leading themselves. And whenever you lead yourself, that is when you fall. That is when you fall on your face. That's when you fall into holes and pits. And that's when stuff happens. So this is the first part of this this uh, series on exposing the cult mindset. So I hope you guys enjoyed this first part. Be honest with yourself. Think about it. Pray about it. Ask God to to give you discernment and open your eyes and to really evaluate, is this happening in my church, my business, in my family? Am I seeing these things? Am I seeing leaders that have these characteristics about them? Am I seeing this? Is this happening? Well, it is time to wrap it up, and I hope you guys enjoyed this, and I will see you um, at the next podcast episode. Be blessed hey guys thanks for listening today if you enjoyed today's podcast episode please hit the follow button also you can find me on facebook as pastor rebecca price or on x as rebecca price thanks again for listening and stay tuned to more episodes that can help reanimate your life